Welcome back to Africa Science Focus, the weekly science and development show from SciDevNet. I am Ogechi Ikeanyeo. As the year 2022 winds up, we would like to share some of the interesting soundbites and conversations from the exciting conferences all held in December on the future of science and development in Africa. At the 2022 World Science Forum in Cape Town, South Africa, we spoke to Tumelo Nlapo from the University of South Africa's Science Engagement Center, who told us about the institution's use of LEGO to get kids engaged in problem solving and science, technology, engineering, and math courses. Part of what we do is to go to um, rural areas, uh, raising awareness of robotics and coding into schools. So as I've uh, indicated, uh, we use such devices as uh, Spark Prime or EV3 robots. These are Lego products. So now what we do when we go to the school, we get to build this. When we build such a robot, this is part of their subjects. So this comes in a container and these pieces are in certain segments. So now we use these beams to connect them together, it's like puzzles already done but now it's just a matter of connecting them together so we found that kids love to do things from scratch and it gives them a sense of pride so now when they're able to build the basic type of a robot following our basic instructions of how to do it we now include another element to this which is coding coding involves uh, programming a robot to do certain functions and the one that we are using it's called spot prime which is a, a sketch program. There are two types of uh, programming options there. There's a Python option and there's a web block, which is a sketch program. Very easy for anyone to, to learn because there's colors in it and well, as well as the words indicate what is required. It's a basic form of coding. Correct. When yes. you say Python, I'm already scared. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... We first introduce uh, the web blocks, which is the sketch program. From there, when kids, when children are able to, to do that, now what we emphasize on this is how to teach them to ensure that the robot goes forward, backwards, left, right, pick up something, drop something. That's how we teach them how to use the program for. Once they are able to do that, now we introduce a theme in one of the challenges. For example, this set is called Superpowered. This Superpowered set is all about raising awareness of uh, electricity generation and energy saving. So now, with the knowledge that they have of building a robot as well as programming a robot, what they are required to do is to ensure that they build and program accordingly to what they are seeing and to fulfill what we call missions which are these obstacles here, at a certain number of time. When they are able to do that, it's easier for them to even do problem solving, also in different aspects. We are not only limited to one niche, but we are STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. At the Conference on Public Health in Africa, which held in Kigali, Rwanda, we spoke to Noella Bigirman, Deputy Director General, Rwanda Biomedical Center, which is the National Health Implementation Agency in Rwanda. Noella spoke to us about lessons learned from COVID-19 and how to adopt some of these lessons to prepare against emerging infectious diseases. 
it's so important to come together, um, look at the lessons learned, share best practices. So in the context of COVID preparedness and, and response, there are many lessons. But I would highlight just a few, starting with, uh, for example, the importance of um, global or continental-wide coordination and uh, in our approach so that they're not uh, isolated. That was so important. And it became uh, very clear, not only in the response uh, uh, part, where we really struggled with um, being able to access some of uh, the key I would say, uh, uh, for example, PPEs that were needed. So that global coordination in our approach is, is needed. And this is where the role of uh, institutions such as the Africa CDC uh, is important. Uh, secondly, COVID highlighted the importance of having a robust health system. I think over the years, we, we, we knew this was important. But in particular, when you have an outbreak like COVID, um, you see how important it is to have worked on um, not only on the uh, healthcare professionals in, um, in your system, to have had uh, health facilities that are ready to um, they are ready to treat people. Many cases coming up to have worked on the diagnostics part, so you can find any of these conditions early on, um, and also on the prevention side. That it's so important have a very important, a very clear uh, message to, to communities uh, around, around prevention. So having or working on uh, building a resilient health system, I think it's a word that we say often, but understanding that it means that, and this is not, you don't wait for an outbreak to, 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 to prepare for, for these systems. I think as a, as a country, as a region, as a continent, we learn the importance of it. I would say the third part is uh, just understanding the tools at our hands, at our disposal. We know now more than ever that vaccinations is a, is a great tool for public health. We know that the measures that uh, were taken or shared in terms of uh, frequent hand washing and mask wearing, uh, mask wearing were, were so important. We know diagnostics, I want to come back to it because, you know, unless you're able to detect and, and diagnose that there is an issue, you want to know how to uh, perhaps address uh, these, these uh, diseases that have the potential to be an outbreak. The Africa Economic Conference, which held in Mauritius and was hosted by the African Development Bank, the Economic Commission for Africa, and the United Nations Development Program. Here, we learned about more developing policies around renewable energy, climate smart development, and transitioning to clean fuels in Africa. We talked to Dr. Fatma Sese, the UNDP Economic Advisor for Ghana and Gambia, and she spoke to us about transitioning to clean fuels in Africa. By Africa developing institutions and policies that ensures we emphasize on renewable energy, we're already going to be contributing immensely on reducing the impact of climate change or even mitigating how much carbon uh, emissions that the continent uh, produces. So I really want to emphasize on the energy transition for the continent. Again, we know the reality is 16% of the people have access to clean um, um, energy fuels. The rest of the population still needs to cook on a regular basis. It's important also to look at the importance and the emphasis on clean energy fuels, not only to look at the economic benefits and the potential it holds, and here, 
I really want to emphasize on the importance of the continent not seeing this energy gap as a burden or not seeing the need to close in the energy gap with um, um, renewable energy as a burden, but as opportunities that exist to create jobs. And apart from the economic benefits, also to look at the opportunities that with regards to health benefits, we know the impacts of indoor pollution that many of um, our people on the continent um, experience on a regular basis. So to contribute to development will be an emphasis of having any, I mean, policies, regulations, legal framework, and institutions that I mean, ensure that we move towards renewable energy. Professor Kelvin Chika Urama, Acting Chief Economist and Vice President, Africa Development Bank, spoke to us about developing climate smart policies in Africa. People always think that climate smart policies is about switching from uh, coal to renewable. That is climate friendly, but it might not be climate smart. Climate smartness for me would mean that you have a policy that juxtaposes the three pillars of development. Social equity, so you keep people happy, people get their needs, address the social welfare of people. Economic growth, so that the economy can grow and provide for the goods and services that populations in a particular country need to grow, to, to remain alive and to, to have a good life. And then environmental sustainability, which means that actions to achieve the social justice and the economic growth does not impact negatively on the environment in a net positive fa fashion. Because every action impacts on the environment. But the issue here is how do you ensure that your social and economic policies are not oxymoronically bad for the environment? So you are not putting into the environment things that are beyond the carrying capacity of that environment. So, and that is why I talked about a constrained optimization. So we have to optimize our policies in these three pillars. And that is what will lead to what I call inclusive growth. A growth policy that considers the economy, the society, and the environment together, giving them equal weights. So, and for climate change, there are several policies that can help address those problems for Africa. One, let me start from what we have to do as Africans, as African governments to address this challenge. Climate change and green development transitions is an industrial revolution era, just like when we had the steam engine or when we had the first, second and third industrial revolution. And then we're in the fourth industrial revolution where technology is driving change. So how are we investing in being part of developing those technologies that will drive the transformation and markets in the future of the future? So climate smart policies for me would be that African countries will look into its capacities to build capacities on the continent to produce technologies. Because consumers of technology cannot declare profits. And this is what we have done as Africa in the first, second, and third industrial revolution. So we need to be able to start producing those technologies, whether it's solar panel, produce them here. Electric batteries, 
produce them here. Electric vehicles produce them here. Grazing is a win-win for the environment, it's a win-win for economic growth, and it's a win-win for society. How does that happen? If we get those companies to come and site in Congo, where you have battery minerals, or in Zambia, where you have the cobalt, and so on and so forth, and the copper, and so on and so forth, what you do simply is that you are reducing the carbon footprint of the end product. Because the current model is they go and mine the copper, send it to China, Brazil, or everywhere else, and produce the copper wires and bring it back to us. So that involves a lot of shipping and carbon emissions. So the carbon footprint uh, of that product becomes, embedded carbon becomes high. So if we cite those industries where those raw materials are, you reduce that carbon footprint or you cut it off completely. Then the second thing is you also reduce the cost of production because the raw material input costs goes down because you remove all the logistics. So it's good for the investor. And then you create opportunities for jobs, for the Zambians, for the uh, Congolese, for the Nigerians, for all the people that are living in that place because you can now use cheap labor from those countries. Again, good for the investor because you are gaining access to cheap level. And then Africa is a 1.4 billion people market that's going to continue to grow. And then, so you have enough market within Africa. And then when, what you are exporting becomes now what is necessary that you need to export outside of the continent. So it's good for the environment, it's good for society, it's good for the economy. Let's make those climate finance come to Africa so that Africa can use those resources to build these industries, build economies that are smart and green. Because if not, Africa, if Africa chooses to grow in uh, uh, using high carbon emitting technologies, all of us will suffer. It's not just only the continent that suffers. That's all from us at Africa Science Focus. If you want to find out more, head to the SciDev Net website. That's www.scidev.net. Today's show was produced by Alice Hurst, with editing and hosting by me, Ogechi Ekianyo. This is the last episode of season three of the African Science Focus, and it is produced by SciDevNet and distributed in association with your local radio station. Goodbye.